Morning, everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last right along ringside and ready to go with another big week of the KFR podcast. And friends, Memphians, countrymen, and co-host, lend me your ears, your cauliflower ears. On this week's episode, my co-co-host, Howard Baum and I will be discussing the Wild and Willie affair, or in Howard's case, Willie Mammoth, that was the 2019 CAC reunion in Las Vegas. That's right, Scott. Today, our KFR listeners will hear all about what was quite possibly the most riveting dialogue since the Gettysburg Address. The acceptance speech delivered by CAC honoree Dr. D, David Schultz. Plus, we'll get the scoop on your encounter at the hotel bar with the king and dear friend of the show, Jim Ross, as well as your conversation with J.J. Dillon and his memories of working Memphis and news of his upcoming appearance on KFR. Ah, Memphis memories. That's what this show is all about. So let's rock this thing like Ricky and Robert and... Double drop kick! What? You're stealing my line now, dude? Well, well, maybe just this one time. Okay, but no hi-hats! No hi-hats for you, last. Okay, jeez. No hi-hats, I got it. What about lime green parachute pants and a colorful bandana tied around my wrist and another one around my calves? You got matchy ones for me? (laughs) Huh? Huh? <laughs> yes, I have a matching lime green parachute <laughs> pant. <laughs> All right. Rock on, man. Rock on. <laughs> yeah, you rock, and we'll be ready to roll with this week's special CAC edition of the KFR podcast right after this. Uh, is anybody trying to intimidate anybody? I mean, out there now, is there somebody that's trying to intimidate somebody like Jerry Lawler? See, we don't have to come out here yelling and screaming or anything, because I am the Southern Heavyweight Champion of the World, Lance Russell. You understand, don't I know you, you got it. I and know. People think that we're crazy, but we're not crazy, man, because we don't have to intimidate anybody like Lawler and Bodie are trying to do. You know what happens when Dr. Death and the Macho Man tag team? And go against Brody and Lawler? Oh, yeah. They're going to hear about it all over the world when Dr. D and the Macho Man do the thing yeah. you guys. Yeah. Right. Brody, first, thing, first thing I got to say is this, Lawler. I don't have to impress nobody because you just impressed yourself by coming out here making a complete fool out of yourself, telling everybody how you followed my career about the people that I have beat. And you know the people I have beat. And you come out here and tell people that you had to pay more money to get Bruiser Brody. That's right. Because I found out something about you, Lawler. Nobody wants to be your tag team partner because you've got a disease, boy. I've checked on you. You have a disease and they call it AIDS. I have checked on Nobody wants that to do with you. And I've got another thing to tell you. You're right. I hit Bruiser Brody. I hit him with a stick. But you know why? He caught me holding his woman in my arms. Yeah, that's what he did. And he jumped me, and I taught him a lesson. Now, Lawler, I want to tell you something about your woman, about your wife and your girlfriend. The doctor might have had his hands all over her. Who knows? I don't have to trust nobody, big boy. If I had to pull this man off of you, baby, last Monday night, 
He would have killed you. He would have took your life right there, big boy. I had your life in these hands, Jerry Lawler. Like the great film of God's up above, baby. I could have took your life just like that. It's a all over. We're going to hear about this mess all over the world, Lance Russell. I can't believe it. Welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wrestling, the only Memphis wrestling podcast that provides a perspective that's not only original, but somehow also extra crispy. And I am uh, fresh back from the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion in Las Vegas, uh, where I got to meet several 605ers for the first time, uh, including Jace Nakarado, Jason Rudy, Dale Spear, Vandal Drummond, Carmine Desperito, and Mark Bowdry. And contrary to popular belief that we may have spent a day together frolicking on Jerry Jarrett's estate in Speedos and or tight jeans, engaging in typical buddy bonding moments and hijinks, you know, cannonballs into the pool, shirtless carriage rods, and afternoons lying around the elder Double J's barn, seductively chewing on some hay and relaxing in hot tubs out afterward, wearing high hats, no less. No, this is the first time I'd ever actually met my new KFR co-host, but nonetheless, let's hear it for the boy. Ah, let's give the boy a hand. One half of the Jew generation, Howard Baum. Howard, are you fully recovered from hey, uh, hey, hey. It's an honor. It's an honor. I guess that was the first official announcement that I am here. So everyone, as I told Jim Valley, who publicly said, came out and said that, you know, um, literally... KFR is my favorite podcast. So I went up to him and said, well, I hope I don't ruin your favorite show. And he says, <laughs> no. He assured me that, no, you're you're barely tolerable yourself, so it should be okay. No, but he put me over. Yeah. Jim Valley is a great guy. And, um, and what a great time we had out there, I must say. Um, it was, you know. Scott has the whole outline this. of things that we want to discuss, but I want to tell you people, we really had a great time out there. No, it was, it was, it was cool. And, you know, even more so than, than seeing some of, some of the, some of the wrestlers and, and chatting with them a bit. I mean, it was really just cool to meet uh, the guys who I just, you know, just seen posting on, on the mothership uh, fan page and guys who you could tell just are loyal fans of the show, except for Vandal Drummond, who <laughs> I asked him a little what bit about the show. I asked him a little bit about the show, and I said, "I said, what's it? so so? What are your thoughts on the show? Because I'm always looking, you know, to, to hear. And he's been around a long time, and I just, you know, any any way I can improve upon the show. And he goes, "I'll listen to it and let you know." <laughs> <laughs> That's least, the Brotherhood of the Arcadian yes. Vanguard. There's no bond like it in the business, as uh, as you well know. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. And I enjoyed the camaraderie myself, I have to say, which is like way out of character for me because I usually can't stand people. But <laughs> I got to say, all my buddies, my crew was Carmine Despirito, Dale, Dale Spears, you say, the great Jace Nacarado, my right-hand man, the only man who shows up when and where he says he's going to. Um, Fredo Esparza, Vandal, um... Just no. a tremendous amount. Of, I'm trying to think of all the. I mean, that's like the basic crew, I guess. I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but we just had a ball. It was Chinese food and good local produce, etc., etc. Yes, Vegas really has it down with science. I have to are say. You, are you talking about those juicy melons you got a hold of on your final night? Uh, well, you know, there was uh, there was the melon section. <laughs> there was the fried. There was the flower section. There was a lot going on. 
Yes. If you want to, if you folks want to know the real, the real uh, scoop, uh, we're cooking up a big Patreon for you. Go ahead. That, uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Wait a minute. Scott and I already realized that the 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 best stuff isn't even repeatable on the air. So we're just gonna be like, once we're both dead, we're gonna release a Patreon, and then our heirs can benefit from it. He didn't do anything. It was all me. Scott's a happily married man. <laughs> Yes, and I yes. Still have a life, so. Yes, so let's 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 keep it that way. But uh, <laughs> Scott didn't do anything, I swear. This, it's no veiled nothing. I'm the I'm the only one. But seriously, this this chick had But back to wrestling folks. This no, but this chick had bigger tits than Abdullah the Butcher. I mean <laughs> that was my line, you uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> this guy oh, that's how this thing is gonna go. I see how this is. Oh, but you know it's funny because and I did, and I did I I asked I asked a few guys even Jim Valley who who uh, you know I I think I think I think he wants to run the KFR fan club. Uh, no, I I'm just it was a, it was a pleasure meeting Jim, a, a true Renaissance man with excellent taste. Clearly, uh, if KFR is his favorite podcast, uh, but it was cool. But you know, almost everybody said, "Yeah, you know." And then they got kind of serious and they were like, "I just wish it came out more," you know, because it sucks when. You know, you think it's coming out, and then does it come out for like two weeks, three weeks? Will it come out? Will it? You know, and 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 I have assured people that I've sort of started to trim back my schedule. I've always worked a full time job and had side gigs uh, where I do some PR for for clients on the side. Uh, I am scaling back that and uh, and hope and bringing Howard aboard to uh, to help me with some content and and have somebody you're going to be my uh, I guess my my Dave Brown a little bit which I, I and I hope that Brian last hears this and is insanely jealous <laughs> but he probably, well, he I've never had a full-time job so you know I have the I have the time to make it uh, you know top of the pops yeah a year from now you'll probably take over the show <laughs> oh you know <laughs> oh god anyway so uh yeah so and we're, we're also, gonna rebrand it the howard and abdullah the butcher hour it was also cool seeing uh like god, even scott teal who you know i i've read most, most of his books and swapped emails before and it was it's just uh it was it was cool to meet him and it, and it was funny because I, I i walk and i'm looking at he's talking to somebody else and i'm and there are you know stacks of his books around and I, I noticed there's, there are a few copies of downtown Bruno's book <laughs> there. And, and finally Scott turns to me and I said, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, it was my understanding that downtown Bruno is going to be here uh, later today for a couple hours signing uh, copies of his book. And Scott goes, uh, no, uh, I, no, no, I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, uh, I, don't, I didn't think anybody would want that. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I go, are you serious? That's, that's the only reason I came. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what to say. And then he looks and, he, and he's going to address me by my name. So he looks at my badge. He goes, oh, Scott. It was, a, it was almost like disappointed Lance Russell. It's like, oh, get out of here with your smart stuff. Ever the river. Ever the yeah. river. That's our Scott. Yeah. He just goes around spreading joy. You should see this guy in action. It's like a one-man UNICEF tour. But um, <clears throat> Scott Teal, I want to say, I mean, like I say, Scott Teal, Tom Burke, those guys have to be vampires because they were around in full production mode when I was like eight years old. And they still look the same. They still look amazing. Scott is a great guy, a great champion for the business, has done so much behind the scenes for various promotions and fan endeavors over the years and truly cares about the CAC. And I have to say, I think the CAC is making a real comeback under guys like Scott 
I got to know Brian Blair a little for the first time ever. And he's a really cool guy. Yeah, and, he was um, impressive. He was he was pretty impressive, yeah. you know, I have to say. As the kind of yeah, master of so, ceremony uh, there. I think kind of it's like a transition period, but I I have to say, I mean, barring the absence of all the classic wrestlers, um, it's definitely more fun than ever, somehow. Much to my amazement. You know, and, and it really lived up to the billing for me as far as being being able to just walk up to some of the stars who, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody seemed to mind. They, they everyone seemed very gracious. Uh, I had several impromptu conversations that that were that were memorable. I, I actually lined up in a future appearance by J.J. Dillon, who had a brief but great run in memphis and it and it's and it's great to talk to these guys uh about their time in memphis because it, it it may not have been long it, it may have been a very small part of their career but they everyone seems to really enjoy it you know and i'm sure that jj was paid pretty well because he was one of eddie graham's boys and that whole deal uh but the it, it was just tremendous just that that whole feud where you know Dylan not only uh, introduced Kamala and was the key to getting that whole thing over. And I, I and I told him that I said that interview where you introducing him, it it would not have worked if Jimmy Hart had done it because Jimmy Hart's in Memphis every single week. We know he's right. not, you know, he, we know he's not going on safari, but you know, That's Dylan true. with the tuck, with the tuxedo, he's very distinguished. It's plausible, <laughs> you know, at least right. to, uh, to to my eleven uh, year old ears when I when I heard him <laughs> say that that he was on safari and, and and I guess you know looking back it's probably one of the most racist gimmicks of all time but hey um, <laughs> and he said you know I saw this this incredible jungle savage and I'm bringing him over here and I remember my friends said we were not only worried about Lawler losing the Southern Heavyweight Title we were we were worried about him being hospitalized. Because I mean, we we totally bought into the right. exotic locale of Jarrett's aforementioned backyard, right? Uh, being the uh, the back reaches of Africa, I suppose. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's so lucky for for Jarrett that he had this nondescript land out there. Because if there was just one structure that you could identify in every video, you could see that it's like everyone from Kamala to the New Generation to Bill Dundee doing his three wheelers to Jeff Jarrett, to everybody frolicking in the same damn backyard. Yep. But over the years, that backyard was the outbacks of Australia and the wilds of Africa and everything in between. Uh, and I, that one with Bill Dundee, where he's talking about making his comeback, he's got his arm in a sling. I think I, it looked like the first time Bill Dundee had ever been on a horse. I know. I, <laughs> I mean, and not only that, but one arm is in a sling, and it looks like he's, he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The ATV one was a lot more convincing for Dundee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looked a lot more at home on that on that thing zipping around, you know? I think I'd be the yeah. same way, too, no less, mind yep. you. Yep. But I'm, re I'm, I'm really jealous, though, of uh, of Mark Batten and Johnny Wilhoy. You know, they um, <laughs> seem like they had... Yeah, the they Jew had... Generation, the Jew generation, as I call them. They seem to have quite the time uh, on, on his estate that day. Uh, where, you was, know, uh, Bart, yeah. where was Brad Batten during all this when Bart was off cavorting with um, John Wilhoyt? I don't know, but he was probably pretty upset that he wasn't invited. Yeah, really. <laughs> they could have made a, a three-man uh, Freebird team out of it. The, uh, you know that, yeah, it would have been well, negative yeah. 35 on the charisma scale. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> who, who was uh, – and, and that look that was going around for a while, like the, the Fabs look with the blonde hair – you know, the kind of the bleach blonde hair where they and and the and the dark beard. 
and uh, Batten, and then Jerry Jarrett walks out on TV one day, and suddenly he's doing it. It's like everybody, <laughs> everybody's everybody's like kind of cop copping the Fabs uh, gimmick. Subliminally, uh, they gave the whole territory the rub. You know, they you think- uh, everybody everybody wanted to be Stan and Steve. And several several young ladies, the rub, as well. Uh-huh. So, there you go. Uh, and uh, oh, and I, I asked uh, I asked Dylan. I said, so so you know, what did you think when they asked you to, to finally come in? And he said, you know, it was crazy because originally it was it, Lawler. You know, was working in Florida, and I wanted to do a deal where I called myself King James. I asked his permission because he had been coming in because uh, I believe Dory was booking, and I think Dory was really high on Lawler. I, I, and I've always said that Florida yeah, got, yeah. Florida got more mileage out of the empty arena match than than Memphis did. I think in a way, oddly, they, yeah, book, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, although Lawler was stuck with some some weird, he was in some weird tag matches with the Fox, like with partners like uh, Mike Graham, Charlie Cook, you know, guys like yeah. uh, Don Don Diamond, you know. Right. Just, See, yeah. It, it's yeah. I mean, you know, Dory was the Booker, so that's what he wanted to book. And I guess the main events on those shows were Dusty was champion at the time, um, so he was in the main event working the Assassin during this one period that I can think of. And, uh, Dory, uh, uh, but then again, the match I saw was Dory and the assassin against, uh, Funk and cook. But yeah, I mean, that was, I hate to say it, but that was kind of the level that Lawler was at. And I hate to say it because that's the level that our semi main eventers were at, which was cook and, um, Mike Graham and, and guys like that, which were not that exciting, but that's what we had at the time. Those were our semi main event guys. He he did have a there's a there's a there was a there's a great card and actually I have the Lawler match uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's a tape fist match with uh, with Lawler and Funk, and man those those punches every time like I, I I post that clip or remind people that it's there everyone's just like going oh man the punches they're just it, it's just yeah, unreal yeah. I mean it, it's it's probably second only to the loser leave town match between Lawler and Dundee where they're really laying it in stiff, you know, uh, and, and yeah. how they, how they did that match, uh, four times and, and, and I think five days, uh, I'll never know because, uh, I think all of them followed kind of the same formula. They were all really stiff and really brutal. Cause you know, back then they were just determined to get the fans, uh, their right. money's worth for a big, for a big blow off like that. Well, down here after they showed the empty arena match, um, they they uh, were booked all week, and at the Miami Beach Convention Center, I saw one of the best matches. And Terry like went above and beyond with the Terry Funk routine. He like went under the ring before this is commonplace, and back then nothing was planted. It's like whatever happened to be under the ring. So it was this giant bucket of nuts and bolts that they used for the turnbuckles and stuff. And he just threw this big construction-sized bucket into the ring with like, and now everything is everywhere. There's every kind of weapon imaginable. And he's not done. He's doing that thing where he goes outside and, and shakes the guardrail at the fans like, come on, you son of a bitch. Just going nuts. Lawler follows him out. Funk ends up somehow with his pants, with his whole butt exposed in the fourth row on the floor. Whole place was going nuts. He was like right in front of me with his, with his butt hanging out. And I'm thinking to myself, does he know his whole butt is hanging out? I'm thinking, of course he knows his whole butt is hanging out. It's Terry Funk. But it was one of the wildest Terry Funk style brawls, the best Jerry Lawler match I ever saw in Florida. That was 81 too. So it was like, you know, we did get some good mileage out of that. I thought it, 
I thought it was a great angle. I showed it. I thought it showed so much hatred. But you know, just now I thought of this. Maybe the reason that it didn't work is because Lawler killed the heel in well, the angle. Yeah, but like he already, you know, it's like a, it was like a um, mythological thing. Like he poked him right in the eye. That's like that's not a um, burial of somebody. Law, well, no, Punk I, is like I think, crying for his mama at the end, famously. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, no. what? It should have been Lawler gets injured, and now he's got to come back, and then he takes Funk's eye, like yeah. they did with Dusty. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is, uh, the, I think it's, it had something to do with the timing, because Lawler was uh, was had just come back from the broken leg, and they were putting him over so strong. Right. And and I think they I think the idea was that, you know, after being out with a broken leg, they didn't want to do an injury angle because to really make that work, you know, he would have to be out for a week or two. Um, And I don't think they wanted to do that. And I think that what they were I think what they were going for was the fact, okay, he's done this to funk. Funk believes that, you know, the best villains are, are always the ones who believe that they're in the right. And Funk right. strongly believed, and and really it is sort of true. You know, Lawler did have the home mat advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but I always thought it was really funny that that Funk also included, you know, not only the fans are on his side, the announcers <laughs> the are on, yeah, the, the police are on his <laughs> side, which, which 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 really points to a greater conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, and what was the you best? Know, was the beginning when um, Funk hands Lance the note to announce the match, and he's like, "Jerry, I, uh, Jerry Funk gave me a note out here," and uh, and then Lawler has to go through the acting job of pretending like he's looking at it for the first time, and he has that little smirk on his face, and Lawler's and Lance is waiting for his reaction. And he's like, "Mm-hmm, I see. Okay." He goes, "We'll read it, Lance," and then Lance announces like what's going on, and you know that's the deal. But well, no, well, no, 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 Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You're, you're, you're actually missing like a really great moment because I knew Funk that is... would, I knew that was inevitable. <laughs> 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 Folks, like... I want to tell you right at the top. I'm not the greatest detail man. I would be considered more the color portion of the team. I just want you guys to know that right off the bat. I'm not a stat man, a uh, historian, if you will. So well, this, thank you. This is this, this is why I have you here, though, to show everyone how smart I am. <laughs> right, exactly. I see right through you, man. Anyway, no, no. It's, and again, it's like one of those little subtle moments, you know. That I think, first of all, Funk walks off, and he almost, you know, he, he's holding up the envelope the entire time with with the with the time and a place <laughs> where only you and I will be there. And and then he he right. he, he, he forgets to hand it to Lance. He. And then he <laughs> And he goes, he comes back in, Lance is wrapping it up. He goes, oh, NWA, former NWA world champion, Terry Funk. And then he goes, take it to him. <laughs> it shoves it oh, that's great. And, that's classic Funk to forget yeah. the whole thing. And then when they go, and then when they go there and Lawler's already standing there, because Lawler's just squashed. There's this, that famous clip that was used in some of Lawler's videos where he starts a match with a jabroni. I think it was, ah. Oh, I can't think of the guy's name now, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but he backs Lawler up up against her and, and gets a gets a shot in, and Lawler shakes it off and kind of laughs. He's like, "Okay, okay." And the yeah. entire time, Lawler's chewing gum. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so he just nails the guy with one punch, knocks him out. Yeah. And then does like another little fit, like a fist drop, not from the ropes, but just straight down with a fist. Smirks at the camera. It gets the easy one, two, three. And he's wearing like like so, almost like solid pink. 
It was like, yeah, blink. yeah, I know that one. I totally know that one. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be a real like, man. That was like his, no, that was like his Burt Reynolds phase where he would just yes. like, you know, be like, yeah, I'm yeah. a man. What about it? You know, like right. pin the guy. That was the quintessential Lawler thing. Pin the guy after an easy pin and then just like smile into the camera. You know, like, yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. Total, total gum. This, this, yeah, that's that's just vintage Lawler. But so he's just standing there, and and uh, and Lance goes, "Well, and here's the envelope, Jerry." And Lawler takes it. <laughs> he goes, "He goes, oh, Lawler goes, oh, you've already opened it." <laughs> and Lance yeah, goes, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, I had, I had, I had a peek, you know. And Lawler yeah, goes, yeah. <laughs> like, like how about this guy and then he walks off you know, he, and then he does that you and i talked about the lawler walk you know where it's just yeah. the, it's it's not it's not over the top it's just right. that stride that just cocky he's just, like he, he, he's pleased yeah. with himself like yep nailed it and then lance is like going i just no react i i just want a reaction I, yeah no you know, and you can, and it and it set it up beautifully because it, it just it, it was different than you know why did Lawler just walk off? It's so odd the whole thing, uh, and it's a match that that we're not going to get to. Nobody's going to get have to pay to see it live. Um, it, so it, it therefore it, it came off real. And I guess they were they were banking on Lawler hurting Funk and him being so crazy and and where Lawler's would be in danger. Like, like funk might find him anywhere. Like, and he showed up at the studio and he had that patch over his eye and he's oh, yeah. around, tearing up the studio looking for Lawler who very well could have been in Florida that day. <laughs> no, see, okay. If they wanted to like, I mean, the whole angle is backwards because that would have been like, I mean, the heel doesn't usually come out looking for revenge, but it led to what has to be the wildest, craziest Terry funk interview of all time. When he came out during the Frankie the Thumper era, and he was bulkier during that era too, when he was getting ready for, uh, oh no, that wasn't, that wasn't even the Frankie the Thumper, what am I talking about? But he was really thick during that era, and he was really tough looking, and he had that patch on his eye, and he came out like maybe one or two weeks in a row going completely nuts on Lance, that was the period where he like, is that the period where he chased Jim Cornette around and ripped his pants off on TV? No, no, that's when he came oh, back. that's when he, was was that's when he was turning, that's when he was, okay, yeah. that's when he was turning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were those were the two wildest interviews I ever saw. Where he came out there after the eye injury, and when he ripped uh, Cornette's pants off, because now he's a face, but he's just as crazy as I've ever seen him. But we'll, well talk about and, that another time. Yeah, and, and both those promos start out tremendously. The the, the challenge, he, you know, he starts off and he goes, first of all, I'd like to say that Jerry Lawler is the son of a jackass. He's a lover. Of- <laughs> all serious. He's, a, like he's, he's quoting a, a fact. Yeah. Yeah, like it's an a, actual fact. Yeah, yeah, he's a lover of chickens, which I, <laughs> I have never heard that expression ever. And my friends, and I, my friends and I, for years afterward, whenever we were like tearing somebody down, I'm like, "Oh, dude, that guy is the son of a jackass. He is a lover of chickens." <laughs> so these, oh, you know, these, I mean, these one, these these lines that you would hear in the in the interviews. I mean, guys. When we were playing sports as kids, like we would taunt one another. We would do the Fargo strut, you know, if right. we scored a goal uh, in soccer or, you know, hit, you know, hit a home run. We, I mean, I did what I did this one time. I'm not kidding you. I hit a home run and I was crossing the plate and I strutted over the plate 
And my dad, uh, <laughs> my dad blew a gasket. It's oh uh, like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I'm sitting there you ended the up not getting murdered by now is really a testament to I the know. people around you. It's quite something. I thought I was bad, man. I, I, I met my match. Mr. Dude, Zigger it, over here. Mr. Let me endear myself to everybody. I thought I was something. <laughs> yeah, See, we're going to get into it later, folks. We have a segment for you later, folks. Hang on yeah, to your hats. Yeah, there was one, there was one guy who uh, even in Vegas, I guess I guess I mispronounced your name, but it could have been you know it could have been the the booze or the edibles or or whatever. And uh, and he go, and he he corrected me. And I go, hey, it doesn't fucking matter what his name is. I'm the star of the show. And he looked, and I was but I was totally kidding, of course. And although that is true, um, <laughs> but but he looked at me like I was I'll be insane. nice for a few weeks. Then I'll yeah. let my real uh... yeah. He looked at me like I was totally insane, which. Maybe I am. I don't know. Nah, that's. I've given up on the whole bound bomb thing. I've given up. People, it's bound. There is no bomb. It doesn't exist in the world. I asked a, a German stripper about it. I said, my real name is Peachtree. How do you say that in German? Fiersick Baum. Thank you. Right from the Fuhrer's lips to mine. So, thank what about, you. Wait a minute. I. What if I talk to Brian Blair and get permission for you to use Killer B? I didn't like it on him. I'm not going to take it for myself. My guy come up with something better than that. The sad part is bomb lends itself to so many, um, so much wordplay. It would be so good for marketing. H bomb studios dropped a bomb on me. And so I accept it. I accept it like Levy Levy or whatever, but there's no such thing as bomb people, unless you're rubbing some ointment on your cream, on your burn. Oh, so that's um, my, that's my bomb. Wait a minute. You, 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 you woke up with a burn? <laughs> uh, Only, never anyway, mind. Never on. mind. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so I, I we're uh, we're walking into the uh, back into the hotel like we had a we had a light lunch. I had uh, it was I mean, this this was on my birthday, and so we uh, I figured we were in for much debauchery later on that day. So I was like, eh, let's 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 eat something healthy. Let's eat something light. So I I opted for the Fried chicken sandwich with a walk line. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's your go-to. It's your go-to keto meal. The fried waffle sandwich. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then and then I and then I guzzled some syrup. Um, <laughs> and then closed the evening uh, at three at three thirty in the morning, eating noodles with you and Vandal Drummond. And uh, I've never been so hungry in my life or disorientated. <laughs> And at one point, I pick, <laughs> I pick up what I think is my is the tea, and it's the soy sauce, and I take like a big <laughs> swig of it, and you go, you know, that's the soy sauce, right? And I go, yeah, I know, it's, and it's, it's delicious. <laughs> and then yeah. he put the tea all over his food, and they kicked us out. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I and then of course I had to take a, do- a do- completely no sale. I was like, oh gosh. The soy sauce. This is the, some of the best soy sauce I've ever drank in my entire life, and so I had to have another like, until I drained the entire bottle of soy sauce. So anyway, uh, we have our so- fun. I'm not your soy boy, though. Oh, uh, we do have our fun. Just to clear that up, but and we anyway. So we're walking in from there, and I and I have my Super King T-shirt on that's available at MemphisWrestlingTees.com if you want to help support this fine program. Uh, and it, and it, here's the deal. Like I, I produce the shirts that, that 
that's sort of like that I want. And maybe, and there might be only five other people on the planet who, who want a Super King shirt. Um, I tried to give you one; you wouldn't even take it. But, uh, but I'm, but, but I'm wearing it. That's not true. And, that's and not the, true. And, we, and I want and Lawler. We see Lawler and Jr. at the bar. At, uh, at TGI Fridays in the hotel. Well, wait, we have to announce I, the name of this segment, right? You give the proper name of the oh, segment right. that you came up yes. with. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that we, because, we would No, have... no, no, because both, both Scott and I made uh, had reunions with top stars in our areas during this trip, and we found out whether there was some friction between the two of us or not, and it's a new segment that Scott has named, and it's called... The Heat Lounge. Thank you. Yes, well, that was... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and you know well, everyone, everyone, no, because everyone poo-poos my segment name, so I want to, I want to put yours out there for the world to hear. Okay, the heat lamp. This and, is called the heat lamp, people. And there no was, consultation there was a, with me. No, no heads up. Just it's called the heat lamp. So okay. There, there was, there was a dramatic uh, beat there. You'll notice. See, it's all in the delivery hour. It's like I didn't right, answer right away. Right. I gave it a little moment to simmer, and then I. Okay, let me just. Um, yeah, but anyway, so um, let me just cross my legs and learn it. <laughs> so, depending on what day of the week it is, uh, some Lawler is either upset or he likes the shirts. And sometimes he'll ask me, "Oh, I I saw that." And sometimes he'll be like, "Hey, you thieving bastard! <laughs> send, send, send me some of those ma- fridge magnets with my image and uh, and, and some and some shirts, some real cool, right?" Um, and, but, but, and then I hear later, I'll talk to Kevin Lawler. I'm like, Oh, you got major heat with my dad. He saw that new shirt. And I'm like, Oh, geez. Oh man. And for years I tried to tell him, I was like, you know, I said, why don't you do the, the old shirts that we all had as kids? Cause now we're all grown up and we're still immature and we have money to spend. <laughs> and, and you know, the ones with your, that, you know, with your mug on it. And he's like, ah, nobody wants that stuff, you know? And then when he opened up his place on bill, I looked at the merchandise and they were all on these like, like, you know, Hanes beefy tees that, you know, are just really uncomfortable to wear. And there's like a picture of old picture of Lawler, but none with the, with his artwork and stuff. And I left him a message and said, Hey, I want to do a shirt. And if it gets popular, then, you know, we'll, you know, uh, split the profits on it or whatever. And it was like that his, his mug. And I think you even had this shirt back in the day, uh, but in the kiss font where it says King. Right. And Lawler texts me. And he's like, <laughs> he was not happy about it. And I said, okay, all right, I'll take it down. No worries. I said, I did ask you about it though. And it's one of those deals with Lawler. Sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than, than permission. And the, like two days later, Travis Eccles sends me a text. He goes, look what's up on uh, Lawler's uh, site on, <laughs> on pro wrestling tees. And it's, <laughs> and it's that design. So it's like, I stole the design and then he stole it back. I guess. Right. Right. Well, you know, I had the original version of that shirt circa 83 and I wore that shirt until my belly button was sticking out. I didn't want to give that shirt. That was my, that was my, um, blue boy, you know, and it was blue and it was, it just said King Lawler. It was the same Lawler face on there. It said King Lawler, man. I, I lived in that shirt. I thought that was the coolest thing. Brought it back to Miami. And like, I'm thinking to myself, nobody knows who this is, but I do. What, did, and and did you feel the same way when I sent you the the new one with the kiss? Oh, with the definitely. Kiss no, I love your I love your design too. The kiss font, uh, <laughs> the kiss font Lawler shirt. I don't think it's still up on the KFR Memphis Wrestling Team site, but I love it. I, I guess you have to get. It, it, you know, okay, well, check it out like, then, folks. Yeah, so you never know what you're going to find over at Memphis yes, Wrestling Tees. Yes, you may very well find it. So check it out, folks. Memphis Wrestling Tees. 
Yes, but the but the background art was that was specially done for you. So (laughs) with the tagline, (laughs) beautiful beautiful lies serve daily, (laughs) serve fresh. Ah, that's right. There's actually a tag in the back of the shirt that uh, I thought Travis was kidding, but it's like he actually used my. uh, I refer to Lawler as the beautiful liar, and it. uh, What's the saying on the back of the shirt on the uh, logo? I want you. Are you using well, you just said I don't. I don't remember words in their proper order. I get the gist of things. You understand? I mean, so you're the be- one who wrote it. You're the one who lies. wrote it. So a beautiful eyes serve fresh daily. <laughs> there you go. See, I would have got that wrong. Uh, but anyway, so I uh, so I, I go upstairs. A man faster than Clark Kent can change into Superman. I get out of that super pink <laughs> shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and put on uh, Travis Heckles. Uh, this is our bestseller over at MemphisWrestlingTees.com. I don't think I've ever mentioned plugged the site this hard before. Uh, but it's the Hanna Barbarian All Stars, uh, where it has all the great, uh, like Handsome Jimmy, the Fabs, Fargo, Lance, and Dave, all in Travis uh, Travis's unique Hanna Barbera style. We call it Hanna Barbarian. Two Saturday morning favorites colliding. With uh, with force, and I know that, uh, and I feel like that would kind of lessen the blow a little bit. And I happen to have one of the Lawler shirts that uh, where I I asked permission from Mike Shields, uh, the longtime photographer, if I could use some of his stuff. And I created like this, I altered it digitally, and it it looks it looks really cool. It's the King's Army shirt. If you want to find it over at MemphisWrestlingTees.com to help support the show. Uh, and boy, <laughs> so I can't I had... wait to see the comments this week. <laughs> what happened to that sellout? God Bowden, the whole show is plugs now. Well, it's like the Saturday morning wrestling show with that same vibe because it was pretty much a commercial for the Monday night show. You got it. What show doesn't have plugs? Come on. It's cool t-shirts, folks. So check it out. That's all we're trying to say. Hey, you know what? And at least I don't, I don't talk, you know, most wrestling podcasts and I'm not pointing any fingers here. I'm not going to say any, you know, you know who you are out there, but they spend the first (laughs) 20 minutes of the show, you know, just plugging stuff. You know, and it's right, just like, exactly. get, get to it, get to it, you know, and that's one thing we typically do here at KFR. Uh, we, we, uh, it's, it's a pier sixer, right? Right, right from the start. So, uh, anyway, that's just me patting myself on the back. But so I approached Lawler and I, and I, and I have it, you know, one of the poly, nice little Memphis wrestling poly bags, uh, that I, that sometimes I, I sit, ship the shirts in and I say, Hey King. And I kind of look at him and he's looking, he's like, ah, Bowden. I feel like sometimes I'm Lawler's Newman, you know, yeah. he's like, Bowden. And, uh, and I don't know how, you know, I don't know how he's going to react. I don't know if he's upset. And uh, he, he actually, you know, shakes my hand and, and almost gives you like a, like a half hug, you know, uh, which is about as affectionate as, as, you know, I think Kevin yeah. Lawler's only gotten one of those his entire life. But, but anyway, and we start, and, and I said, "Hey, I got something for you." And he goes, "Is it one of those?" And he points to Travis's shirt. And I go, "Oh, uh, 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 no, unfortunately not." But I did, I did bring you one. And he opens it, and he's like, "Oh, oh, it's a fucking extra large. I, I need double XL." <laughs> <laughs> and his girlfriend, Lauren, turns his girlfriend, Lauren, turns, and she's like, "She's like, well, I could, I'll give it to my dad." And, uh, and she's like, and by the way, where's our cut from all these shirts that you're selling? Oh my God. <laughs> and I said, look, I said, if you want the designs, I'll be, I'll be happy to send them to you. And also I said, go to the site, pick out any shirts you want and, and I'll send them to you. Like I, I, I've done in the past. And Lola goes, well, I don't even know where it is. And I said, Memphis wrestling tees.com. And he goes, Oh, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, Hey, Jr. 
And, you know, Jim Ross, who is probably on his fifth Moscow mule, and it's only like one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he, he owns MemphisWrestlingTees.com. Of, of course, he would own MemphisWrestlingTees.com. <laughs> Never mind that, you know, I, I was the star and owner of the company for years. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> and I said, well, I'd be, happy to send you, I'd be ha- happy to send you some. And he goes, oh, thanks. I go, yeah, I'd be happy to send you these shirts that I'm using your image without permission. <laughs> right. And he goes, yeah, you're he right. Must, he goes, he you're must love the guy. very thought of you. He must love it when he sees you coming. Well, he, no, he was laughing, though, because I was just, you know. No, but you go way back. Tra- Travis uh, Scott goes way back with uh, the King. So, you know, I guess they have their well, ups and downs. You know, and I was. Me, I, I get was, one chance. I, I I screw up once and I'm done. Travis apparently yeah. gets a thousand chances over the years. <laughs> and I keep, and I, and I keep <laughs> anyway, and I keep, I keep blowing them, apparently. But, uh, and then, and I look at, and I look at his drink and there's like a little frozen remnants there. And I go, King, are you. I go, you're not knocking back margaritas, are you? Obviously, because the king is a teetotaler, has never had right. a sip of alcohol in his life, and that is that is a shoot, by the way. And, it's not, and I'll tell you why. But go ahead. Okay. Sidebar anyways, that, and I'll t- I'll tell you why. But okay. go ahead. <laughs> Consider it sidebarred. Uh, and he goes, he goes, he goes. No, 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 no. I, I, yeah, I'm so messed up. I just, I just polished off two uh, virgin daiquiris. I said, boy, you really have a way to go through those virgins, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> And he looked at me and looked at Lord. It's like he's like, hey, hey, keep it, keep it down. <laughs> oh my god! He's like, he's like, hey, Fabe, hey, Fabe. <laughs> oh my word! And then he walks off, and he always wraps up a conversation with me, like, okay, Scott, that's about. <laughs> that's about wow! It. And see, I was waiting for you to grease the trail so I could be reintroduced to Lawler after my debacle with him at the WrestleMania party in Miami in 2012. I'd have been better off sidling up to him on my own, for God's sakes. Which, uh, yeah, well, I didn't want to risk it. I mean, it went so well. I didn't want to, like, you know, get all the right, right, right. No, I was, I was counting on the next day, but the timing, the timing was all off. I was, I was planning on seeing Lawler the next day, and like, hopefully, he would forget all about all of that stuff, and I could just reintroduce myself to him fresh, you know, like take on a new identity, like the, yeah. the version of a like a Memphis guy just putting on a different hood, and now I'm somebody new. Well, we'll start fresh because like he's. I mean, if you get drunk in front of Jerry Lawler, you're done. That's all he needs to see. This is like his least favorite thing. And I don't know how many people know this story. Are you done with, like, no, are you well, done with that bit? No. I, I was going to do Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to parlay that into, into my Jim Ross story, which is. Oh, please which do. Is not, please do. Yeah, you know, it's brief. Uh, but uh, so Lawler and Lauren, they, they leave, and JR remains at the bar and orders another drink. And, and I'm like, I, you know, how, when am I going to get this chance? You know? And I know that the, he, I don't think he's a big fan of the 605. I, I get that impression. Yeah. yeah I, but, I, uh, I heard some uh, rumors through the wind. But I, I introduced myself and I said, yeah, I used to work. And he's looking at my shirt and he, and he, I think he pointed at Bobby and he goes, is that Courtney? And I go, <laughs> oh, no, that's Courtney over there with the tennis racket, the glasses. <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> bless, bless his Yeah, heart. he was dude, man. He was stewed. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he could have just... It's hard at to that tell. point, it's I don't know. At that point, I don't know. But at the, at the, uh, banquet, at the banquet, yeah. he was stewed. There was yeah, no yeah. question about that. Yeah, yeah. I watched that back on YouTube, the, the Schultz speech. And uh, Ross's intro, uh, well, you almost need subtitles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but... 
But hey, it was it was from uh, from the heart. His 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 drunken. And might heart. I say, folks, put yourself in Jim Ross's shoes. One horrendous thing after another. So you know, oh, maybe his life nice. maybe his life consists of a little more than pleasing uh, the old school wrestling fans, and you know, being at the top of his game. You know, look what has gone on with this guy. Well, so, I will. Uh, I will say, I between will the health say problems and, and losing his wife, yes. kind of a sympathetic target. And I'm not. I'm not. I mean. Listen, he was not the nicest guy before his wife died, and he kind of has like a fabis and a sourpuss attitude toward all the fans that I've seen over the many times I went to the CAC, but I still respect him as a professional, and I really uh, empathize with him as a human being for everything that he's gone through. Just to have one of the things that he's gone through is bad enough, so the guy likes to drink. What would you do in in his position? That's all I'm saying. Plus, you know, most broadcasters like to drink anyway. It's a thing. Yeah, it's an I mean, old I, school. It's an old school thing that a thing called men used to do. We used to have a little yeah. thing called men that drank and and were broadcasters. I mean, I've got I've got everything going for me, and I and I said I like to drink. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and, so I, and humility and humility too, <laughs> foremost and first, of course. But I'm like, but I'm like, hey, and we start talking, and I said I worked for Jerry in Memphis. I was, you know, manager, da 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 da, da and uh, I host the Kentucky Fried Wrestling podcast. He goes, oh yeah, 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 I know who you are. <laughs> like, like, and I didn't quite know how to take that. And we got to talking, and uh, and I said, what did you? And I said, I do, I know you knew Lance uh, Russell. Uh, what did what did what did you think of Lance? And he's like, and he got so poignant. I mean, it just like question like totally caught him off guard, and he's like, oh, he's just you know because you know there there are a lot of con artists, there's a lot of carnies in this business, and I go, oh, you, you know my co-host Howard, ah. um, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, you were just you were just sitting next to one, the king. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, getting there, king. Um, and he goes, but Lance Russell is is he's probably not only I mean, hell, hell yes, he was. Greatest, one of the greatest announcers. Everybody knows that. I'm talking about as a human being, right? He's one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. Just a good man. And, and I'm seriously, it's like he's tearing up. And I'm like, okay, great. JR's crying. Now I'm going to cry. And it's just going to, you know, it's just going to be a big mess. And so I, I got, I kind of excuse. I was like, well, thank you. It was, like, it was nice chatting with you. And, uh, and, I, and I walked off. But, uh, but that was, you know, hey. Anybody who puts over Lance Russell that strongly and 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 cared that much about the man is is he's okay in my book. You know he's yeah he's, no he was, doubt. yeah. I mean he could have totally blown me off when uh, when I was there. And he actually dude he was like he was wide open right right there at the bar. Uh, so it appeared to me that he was you know if anybody approached him that he would be accessible uh, at least until maybe yeah not six. so much. Hey, not well so I don't much. know just going by my from my personal experience. Although I will say I I thought it was rather rude, um, and d- when he uh, he introduces uh, Kamala as the uh, Courage Award winner at the at the banquet, and I guess this was this was sort of it was this was a surprise deal. Uh, and it was so much of the fact that they didn't put it on, uh, JR's format and you know, JR's really big on a format and he seemed kind of offended (laughs) that that, that, that they say, he goes, well, folks, this is a surprise. Uh, so all you people out there looking for a scoop, go, go call the internet, go, go. 
I don't know how you're going to call yeah. it. <laughs> Don't call and the internet. <laughs> the scoop, and he just cuts this promo, which is kind of out of place right before the, the Courage Award. Yeah. It seemed petty before the Courage Award. And and then Scott Teal, just, the, you know, the perfect gentleman, gets right. up there and he kind of sighs a little bit. And he goes, <laughs> how do I follow that? And, and Ross... <laughs> Under his breath, uh, you can you can see this on 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 YouTube. Under his breath, he's like, "You can't." Which <laughs> I, I mean, that was a heel move, man. Ross has gotten a little more ornery uh, in public. I have to say, in recent years, like you know, um, he's been doing the CAC thing for a while, and he started out really professional. But this is kind of like shades of what got him fired um, with that WWE game release that night with flair and everything, you know, like, uh, he's uh, like, no, I wasn't drunk, but I mean, any benefit of the doubt is out the window now because I saw it with my own two eyes. Um, but you know, much respect to him. He's one of the most prepared broadcasters and he was a good call man and all that stuff. And you know what? I'm going to come out and say it. So what if you want to coast a little in life? He's been through every tragedy coast a little, let Ric Flair coast a little. He's Ric Flair. You know, Joe Namath, let him coast. Let him do uh, mortgage commercials. He's Joe Namath. Yeah, but I, if, this, you're this, enough, this, if you're good this, enough, this, if you're good enough at something for a while, then you should be allowed to coast on it when you're older. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I, I cut coast. him a little slack. I, I cut dude, I, him I, a little I, slack. I started coasting around episode 20. <laughs> <laughs> I started coasting at the, around the age of 20. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, and here we are. Here's where, here's where we are. Here's That's where, the result, folks. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, and, and, so anyway, so I thought it goes well, and I post on on Facebook. I go, oh, look at this. The king surprised me by flying out to Vegas for my birthday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I don't. And I figured everyone would know that that was tongue in cheek. Uh, right. Some people obviously didn't, and I don't know if Lowe thought I was serious in trying to portray that. I, I, I mean, if, right. you, if anybody knows me, they know I'm, I'm probably full of shit. And I talked to Kevin Lawler, and he goes, oh, boy, you got heat with my dad. I went, what? Wait a minute. We had a good conversation. I thought everything was fine. He goes, no, 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 no. You know, oh my God! He goes, you got heat, and 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 boy, and trying to act like he flew out there for your birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come oh on. man, come on! Anyone that knows you knows that that would be a line. Yeah, but anyway, so so I guess as far as Lawler and I on the heat lamp scale, I guess I guess I I'm I'm back under. I guess I I guess I got heat. Now, what about you? I, and, you're and like Kevin? a little basket of French fries over there, aren't you? Uh, I am. I am. Or or maybe like the like those. Like uh, those mashed potatoes and gravy, they, like they scored out of a gun. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to those kind of restaurants. Oh uh, well, I'm not, well, I'm talking about KFC. You know, I don't know what kind of perverted uh, restaurants you go to. Which I don't know. I don't, potatoes, scored potatoes out of a gun. <laughs> yes, I have no idea why I'm putting over KFC because they they sent me a cease and desist order. Again, clearly, I have no, I have no respect for copyright whatsoever. Uh, <sighs> because the original K4 logo was the actual uh, Colonel Sanders bucket with chicken cross like scrawled out and then wrestling right written, uh, written uh, what appeared to be like a hillbilly and uh, yeah they sent me like a thirty page like within two weeks it was like really? a thirty page yeah well this is when the column debuted on Kevin Smith's website the movie director uh, so the site got a lot of attention when it, when it launched because Miramax had given him a lot of promotional money and they said, you can do it, 
you know, use it for whatever you want. And he used it for the website. So uh, that's that was the origin of Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And actually, and I, I think I told the story on the Jeff Jarrett interview, but the the name was about a story that I was writing about TNA's uh, debut on pay-per-view. And I, I called it Kentucky Fried Wrestling just because it had that it had sort of a southern feel to it. Uh, which you don't normally see on a national pay-per-view. And then I, I think Curtis Hennick passed away and they asked me to, to write another. And then suddenly I had a masthead with Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And uh, I was like, what are you going to write about next week? And it, and it just kind of grew from there. But anyways, let, let's talk about speaking of the past and heat and all that. Kind of, you and Kevin Sullivan now uh, explain to the folks why there may have been some heat uh, between <laughs> you two dating back uh, to the Florida days. Right. Okay. Well, this is kind of a long, drawn-out story. I'll try to uh, condense it for you fine folks. In 1984, um, I had a little promotion um, with Tyree Pride, Bobby Wells. We used to tape in Miami, run shows in Nassau. Lasted, I don't know, eight months or a year tops. A year is stretching it. But it was during 84. I was really going to college during this time, and I wasn't even really around for most of it. But uh, my dad just got together with Tyree Pride, started doing tapings and running shows just out of the blue, like, you know, very randomly and organically. Meanwhile, I'm still shooting photos on a weekly basis at the Miami Beach Convention Center, 1984, actually the end of 83. And um, Kevin Sullivan is booking. And um, I didn't see any conflict of interest there. Like, oh, I'm running my own promotion. We're running opposition. But I didn't think of it that way. I was still half a mark when I was 18. So... They found out about it after one of our tapings, and Duke Kim, uh, Fonzie, Bill Alfonso, and I used to be friends with him back in the day, and he was the first person I saw at the building, and I was walking from the ring to the back area, and he goes, oh man, you got heat with Duke, Duke wants to see you, Duke Tanaka, Duke Kiyomoka, Miami promoter for Florida, holy crap, I'm like, oh god, it's all coming down, what was I thinking? So... um the word got back to me. I don't think I ever saw Duke, but everyone, somehow the word got to me, like, you're done. You'll never shoot wrestling photos in this town again, et cetera. <laughs> okay. Which was dandy because I was leaving for college anyway, um, in the middle of 84. So kind of, I just got, you know, like my old seats in the front row and shot with a telephoto lens until I left town. I don't know where I got the nerve from. I guess I went to the Dr. Mike Lano of uh, professional wrestling photography. And, um, that was it. I finished out my career shooting from the seats at, for Florida. And then I went to college and never thought about it again. Now, fast forward to 1989. It's after an NWA show where I was shooting ringside. And um, it was uh, the Marriott in Miami, the Fabe Bar, as we used to call it, with my late friend Ken Chastain and all my buddies. And um, Gordon Soley was there, Terry Funk. It was a real who's who. Flair was there that night, I think. Um... And I haven't seen Sullivan in like five years. And I go up to him and he doesn't seem to have the happiest look on his face. But I go, hey, Kevin, you remember me from the olden days? And he goes to me, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, OK. And that was it. That was the whole conversation. And I'm like, well, I know he's friends with Tyrese. Why am I getting all the heat? You know, <laughs> so so to me, I'm thinking either two things like one, he doesn't give a shit about me. And he's like, I know who you are. And I don't care, period. Or I know who you are. You're the guy that did all that shit and ran against me when I was booking. Which we, our promotion was so minor. All we did was run a few shows in the in the Bahamas. No big whoop. 
But, um, you know, I didn't know wrestling back then like I know now. That's kind of a no-no, folks. If you're going to, like, you know, yeah. you don't really yeah. run opposition yeah. when... Especially <laughs> Sullivan was always cool to me back in the day. And I was so, like, starstruck because he was the number one heel down there, like, with a bullet. And he and Mark Lewin, who I knew was an old-time legend, and he would always just... I would be backstage, and he would come by with Lewin and stuff. And it was weird because... the um. Sullivan would talk to me, but Lewin would stay in the gimmick the whole time. And I didn't know the first thing about Lewin. I know that my dad used to go see him at the Laurel Gardens in New Jersey back in the day. And, um, but I didn't want to bring any of this stuff up because A, I didn't want to look like a big mark. And B, I didn't know how crazy he really was because he just came out with his eyes rolling and doing muscle poses and stuff. I didn't know what the guy's deal was. The same with Abdullah, you know? Like, I just, I don't know. I was half a mark back then. I never met these guys. But I'm just taking the pose. Half the time I was too nervous to even take the, the, the photo. I'm, you know, you're trying to, like, size it up right. If the lighting is not that great in the room, you're just, like, trying to get it right, not knowing if they're truly a maniac like Abdullah or Lewin. But anyway, Kevin was really cool to me back then. And I remember, I think it was my second trip to Memphis, probably around 84, before we did the uh, the, the Gilbert Rich angle. And I knew Sullivan a little better at this point. And I said, or it might have been 83. And I said, I'm going to Memphis. You want me to say hi to every, uh, want me to say hi to anybody for you? He goes, No, all serious. <laughs> and then when I came back from Memphis, I showed him my photos that I took. I had them all in an album because I used to show Kevin too, and I used to have a gimmick table too, so I used to have my photos with me. So I'd let Kevin take whatever he wanted, and I was very honored to find out that he uh, put one of my photos that I took of him and Lewin years later, 1991, when I re- when I went to the um, Sportatorium on 106 North Albany in Tampa for the first time. I never went there in the heyday of Florida Championship Wrestling, but there was an independent promotion that did a little TV taping out of the same building, the classic Florida Wrestling Office, where they did the famous tapings. So, in the front there is like a uh, message board behind glass where, you know, so the people can't get into it, like announcements, whatever. There was one photo in there at the world-famous Florida Wrestling Sportatorium, and it was my photo of Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin. So, I just I take that as a personal well, point of pride. You, well, you uh, you're really thorough with this background leading up to this. Oh, from the from the king of the Shakespearean <laughs> rant. I'm going too long. Okay, okay. Anyway. You know this is good stuff. Uh, note, to anyway. Cap- note to Captain Lou. Uh, we have some editing to do there. But, oh, uh... come on. Look who's talking. It was a 45-minute <laughs> intro to begin with. Okay, so so come to, so come now for 30 years, I think I have heat with Kevin Sullivan. And so I see him at the uh, – I see him across the bar, and I'm like, you know, I just got to know once and for all. So I go over there, and I go, Kevin, you remember me from the olden days? I'm Howard Baum. And I told him the story. I go, look, I told the story. I'm on the 605 podcast, and I told the story of how I was promoting with Tyree, and I didn't know if we had heat or you just didn't really care about me at all. And you came, I came up to you, and you go, I know who you are. And um, he's like, no, I love Tyree. And I could see he was all open to talking to me and being cool and everything. Yeah. So um, It's been a long I time. Did... You would think, yeah, the heat well, the yeah. explode him, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like anything matters anymore. So he was very very cool back then, and he was very cool when I saw him at the CAC. And we talked about a whole bunch of things, different people that we had, mutual friends, 
and just a little Florida stuff and everything. And he was very cool. And I go, look, let's do a little video. So we did a little video for the 605, like where we reenacted our moment. Yeah. So you can check that out. Yep. I and then you, and then the, uh, before you did this though, I, I saw you lining this thing up and I, I said, and don't forget to ask him to come on the show. Cause I really, he's, he's like one of those guys who I don't think he gets a lot of questions about Memphis. And I think he would be, he would love to talk about it. Cause it'd be something you new. Kevin Sullivan, you're yeah, just, I know, you're, but you were right. You said you were going to do it. I woke up and I said, how'd it go? You go. I was, I was, I, went, I was oh, preoccupied cool. with settling 30 years of unfinished business. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I even forgot. I mean, uh, you know, I used to really being the co-host. I gotta like uh, ease on into this. All right, but All right. no, we'll get him. You can get him better than I can. Yeah, well, we, we got we got. He probably still it. he probably still hates me. He was just being nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, what's it? Barry Rose uh, and, uh, and asked on this. Uh, I think it was on his C- CWF Facebook page. Uh, and I don't know. I, should I ask more questions? I, I never. Am I engaging enough with with the audience out there? I, I don't know. Uh, do, do you want me to ask questions like hypothetical questions? Like, and I'm, this is this is Barry here asking uh, if you could have dinner with five Florida stars. Who who to be, you know? And it can be from any era, it from any era. And I said, me? No, no, no. He he asked that question on his Facebook page, and people were responding. Good because I'm. And I said, and I said, I said, Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin, who conjure up the ghost of King Curtis, Dusty Rhodes, and Eddie Graham, while we roast a goat on a black sand beach in the Netherlands or something like that. (laughs) Anyway, I th- well, some of my some of my picks would have been in that list. You want to know what my list would have been from Florida wrestlers? Ah, uh, no, because I think it's a kind of a silly question. But <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who freaking brought it up, man. It, okay, all right, they, so I'll it, tell you. All right, the Sheik, King Curtis, Morocco, Steve Kern, and Dusty. All right, that's good. That's a good list. Yeah, I think mine has the potential to be more of a more of a uh, a trippy experience though but trippy <laughs> experience well, what? If, I have, you if, I have, if i have sullivan and, and lewin and you know maybe and they kind of oh, but, yeah but who do you think taught those guys king curtis taught both those that's guys true. that's true yeah but uh and by and all it, accounts he was the oh, furthest one out there by the way and, or, and, and, the, and, or at least he had the biggest tolerance because by all accounts mark lewin is the furthest one out there but King Curtis apparently had the biggest tolerance for uh, all things. But the guy, the, the guy was in like incredible shape. He had this incredible physique, and even if you're on the gas, man, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, well, look at old hit. photos of Lewin. Look at old photos of Lewin from like the '70s, and he looks like any middle-aged Jew would age. Then you look at him in 1984 yeah. when he's like 50-ish, yeah. and he had the one of the greatest physiques I've ever seen. His yeah, arms, yeah. shoulders, like, and chest it's like, were massive. Ron, and his legs. Ron, yeah, it's like Ron Garvin and Flair both suddenly got in the best shape of their lives when they were like pushing 39, right. 40. Right, yeah. right. Wonder, wonder, wonder how they did that. But at any rate, I'm moving right along. Just one, just a couple of more comments about some people uh, at the uh, Bologna banquet. Uh, I saw my, my my friend, and I consider him a friend because I just 
enjoy talking to the guy. He's, he's as real as real can get, and it gets him into trouble sometimes with his mouth. But I, I just think he's really cool. We've had him on the show a few times, and we typically go for like three hours whenever we have him on. Uh, but Rip Rogers was there, and I and I was hoping that he was going to be there. I didn't know for sure, and so I brought an, uh, an ICW shirt. And I, I've sent him a few ICW shirts because in the beginning he was like, who's this guy? Uh, making these uh, ICW off, off the company that I helped found, and, and and then I talked with him and I explained what I was trying to do, and and I sent him some shirts, and he and he was happy, and so uh, I <laughs> I gave it to, him. and I meant to send this to him at Christmas, and I had it in one of my uh, Christmas themed uh, have yourself an extra crispy Christmas, and it has all the Hanna Barbarian All Stars, which you can find on a T shirt over at MemphisWrestlingTees.com. Oh boy. Uh, and a, and a bag of anyway, so he's like, I'm on here, and I go, I go, no, but Randy is. He's like, oh fuck it, uh, <laughs> and he rips it open, and, he, <laughs> and, I, and I show him the shirt, and I said, oh, but there is some artwork with you guys on, with you and Lanny and Randy on the back, and one man gang uh, that Travis had done in the Hanna Barbarian style, and uh, I said, I said, you're not going to sue me, are you? He goes. Well, hell, it costs money to sue you, so I won't do that. And I said, by the way, you look you look great. You look like you're in incredible shape. I said, you know, you're really an inspiration because I showed my wife this video. He sent me a video of him working out in his ICW shirt. And I said, look at this guy. He's in incredible shape, and he's ancient. And yeah. rip with that, without missing a beat, just, just so you know that I don't always get the last line in because I just had to walk away in, in shame. He looked yeah. at me and he goes, it's one, two, three. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm counting your chins. <laughs> oh, my word. And I said, whoa. Okay, I put on a little wacky. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to walk. I'm just, I just walked away. I just walked away in shame. Wow. Sometimes <laughs> so, you beat the king. Exactly. Sometimes you exactly. beat the king in his own game. And I, and I did and I did notice that, that when the 605 table was announced, you know, Brian Blair, and from the 605, uh, we have this table over here. And Jim Ross shook his head like, <laughs> yeah, I had heard that. I heard that. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. So our reputation. Hey, we're on uh, the map. Seats. We're yes. on the map now. We're in the high grass. Uh, but uh, the, the, I guess the, the, the highlight had to be David Schultz's speech, uh, which David Schultz is like this modern day twisted Mark Twain <laughs> in a way with that Southern draw to weaving stories. Uh, that hits you right between the eyes, and and it's with a dark sense of humor. Some of the stories I have no idea why he included them. And again, you can find this <laughs> on YouTube. I hate to I hate to mention the douchebag's name who who uh, runs the channel, but you know who he is. The dude, the douchebag with the with the camera who's at every event now. Uh, but the speech itself, man, talk about a departure from the WWE Hall of Fame speeches, which just sounds so scripted and so phony. They all have to be approved by Vince, and it just they're so filtered by the time you get, they all have to mention the WWE universe, which none of them have ever said in their entire lives right. until that night. And Schultz is just, you know, he's like, Oh, there's Jerry Lawler. And, you know, and I could just, uh, Lawler is probably like, Oh God, what is he, what is he going to say? Right. Cause you know, the only thing Lawler loves more than being around a drunk is being put on the spot or uh, put in a bad yeah. public situation. Yeah, and uh, he goes, Lawler, remember that time that guy pulled a gun on you? You were like, David, he's got a gun. And I ran out, and I slapped the gun. I grabbed the gun and tossed it. And then another time, a guy came after you with a baseball bat, and I got out and saved your ass again. You remember all that? Yeah, you got a good memory, don't you? <laughs> you can hear Lawler. Yeah. Got the laughing like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, David. <laughs> see, I'd be curious but, to see Lawler in these situations. 
Well, I know that I know that he when he's look if if anybody came after me with a baseball bat, I would probably be a little worried too. Or if they stuck a gun in my face, one on one, one on one, you know, at a fair, at a fair fight, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the king can handle himself, but who wouldn't be? But David Schultz is is on another level of yeah, no uh, doubt. You know what I mean? It's almost like Superman, but the bullets don't even get fired because he stops him with his he stops the guy from pulling the trigger with his with his gaze almost. That's his power. He's a he's a redneck superhero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. you know, I heard he had the greatest line on uh Brian interviewed him on the six oh five and he had the greatest line. He was talking about his bounty hunter stuff and he's like, I go after everybody. And he goes, Why would a man be afraid of another man? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, oh my god, I'm afraid of everybody. He's afraid of no man. <laughs> That's crazy. You kidding me? Why would a man be afraid of another man? You see how many scary people are walking around, and you're gonna well, hunt he, these guys down? He's he's truly on another level. He's yeah, something. And, and then he t- you know he told a couple of bounty hunting hunting stories, and one of them seemed kind of cool, and then the other one got that bizarre tale with, uh, I believe every word of it, of going into like mm-hmm. this this crack house. Uh, where everybody's like shooting up and uh, or maybe it was a heroin house. I don't know. Or maybe it was all drug, an all drug house. A smorgasbord of wonderful delights. Uh, but it just sounded so all, like just uh, people. I mean, this is this is rock bottom central. This is like or, or it's like these people are already in the third ring, the, the third rung of hell. Right. Right. And, and he's looking for this. He's looking for a woman who. This this other bounty hunter paid him ten grand because he's he's terrified of this woman, uh, to go. He's afraid to go into the house and get her. So so Schultz goes in, and he pulls her out, and she's got cockroaches all over her. And he's telling the story. I'm like, people are still eating. I think, and it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just and it's so, so so out there. You wouldn't expect that in a Hall of Fame acceptance speech. And he seems so uh, humbled in a way, and and amused. To be honored by his peers for for you know I've I've never been called a wrestler but that guy could go man when he and Condry were in Memphis in 1980 first of all they're doing tag team uh, double team work that you would see later uh, with the Midnight Express I mean they were really ahead of their time and they really and man that Condry was jacked up then man I don't yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, and he was in great shape, and they had some great matches with uh, Ricky and Robert Gibson, and those Schultz promos that it, everyone talks about, or he rips on Hogan, and you know, it's like yeah, he's got the big Frankenstein head, a big Frankenstein feet. He was doing the same thing in Memphis. He was, he, I was watching one of his old promos. He goes, "Bill Dundee, you little circus freak!" <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And then, know, he, <coughs> then he goes, the promoter, Jerry Jarrett, he goes, I'll break your neck, boy. I mean, really strong stuff. I don't recall anybody going out of their way to say that they were going to break <laughs> break Jerry Jarrett's neck. Oh, my gosh. Which is, I'm going to have know, to go it, back and watch some of that earlier stuff. Like, there's a couple yeah. of years in there where I haven't really watched it because, like, the quality is not that great. You can't really get good quality on certain years, but... I'm going to have to immerse myself in some of that because, you know, a lot of the classic Memphis guys, I saw them when they were a little more developed, but I have like a gap, like maybe in the late seventies where they were a little, you know, they were a little more plain. They didn't grow into their gimmicks yet. So I definitely want to check all that out. And now I have a reason to. 
Yeah, it's, so, it's, beautiful. it's, uh, yeah, it's some great, some great stuff. And maybe I'll even, uh, post some on our, uh, on our, on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So look out for that classic vintage Dr. D, uh, and he, oh, and he also called out Steve Austin, you know, and really Steve Austin should almost be writing royalty checks to, yeah. to you know, because it yeah, the, really. the Austin character, I think, is a combination of Dutch Mantel, um, who Schultz put over as a great worker, uh, but 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 an office niche <laughs> and huh. uh, and uh, Owen Schultz. I mean, Steve Austin's really his character was it's the lone wolf character that Dutch would kind of do where he would do right. hill type things and you think it's almost a hill turn, but it was just he was speaking honest and and the way he looked he even told Steve Austin, he says, if you go in there and he, he goes, if you play like a lone wolf kind of character, it opens up all the potential guys you have to work with. Ah. Oh, and that served you know, Dutch you know, yeah. very well. You know, the only other person I've ever seen do that is, that I can think of is Piper in Georgia when he was like in between and solely said, no man is an island unto himself except perhaps Roddy Piper because Piper found himself, it was like in between a face turn. So he was doing like the man with no friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, he had, for that brief period, he was like, you know, he was still a heel, but he was just about to be a face. So he was like on his own. Well, and he's like, he did the same kind of interview. Like, I ain't, I ain't trying to kiss ass. I'm just me. I don't care. I fight everybody. Well, and and I, I, I tell you, I, I got a little. Uh, it, it hit me a little bit when it, when you know suddenly he turned very serious, and he mentioned after you know Vince McMahon put a lien on his house after the John Stossel lawsuit. Uh, you know, and he said, you know, I had to. I was struck. You know, that's how he got into bounty on him. You know, because he had to pay the bills, right. and he and he could. You know, didn't want to had a kid in high school, and you know. It, after this this rough exterior, but at the heart, he's a family man. You know, still married to the same woman, and his kids in high doesn't want to take his kid out of school. He's like he's like any other dad, and he goes not and he goes and not one of you. I protected our business. Not right. one of you called me and said, David, right. do you need anything? David, do you need any help? David, what can we do for you? Not one of you. And the room, I, I mean. And call out Lawler in particular, yeah. who was like five feet away from him. That must have felt great. I know, I know. And he's like, he's, he's well, in know, the but, right. But Lawler wasn't. But yeah, but Lawler wasn't even around WWE at that point. No, he wasn't. And, and some of that was, you know. And he goes, I guess he goes, and I get it. You would have lost your job if you if you had called me. Probably events had found out. I understand that. But you would think that some of the outsiders would, you know, especially since Schultz, you know, had had roots in Memphis, would have. Uh, would have would have done something for him, but but uh, yeah. You but get think that. about it. How would Lawler know what what Schultz even had going on in his life? Why would it even be his concern? I'm sure it wasn't. Well, and yeah. I mean, I mean I the other I, guys I who else who else even has any money that they're going to help him or anything with? Plus, you know, wrestling. You can be the best of friends when you're together, and then when you're gone, you don't see the guy for another seven years, and you pick up where you left off. But you're not going to take up the guy's mortgage unless it's a rare case or something where you really love the guy. You know, like, I mean, how well, many relationships well, in wrestling would that be feasible that somebody gets fired and everyone rallies around to make no, sure they're okay, well, you know? Well, I guess I'm just speaking like if it were any other industry and these were normal people. Oh, yeah. Which, which, forget which, it, yeah. Yeah, forget it. But I will, but I will say at least, you know, Schultz came into Memphis uh, in, in 85. 
uh, as part of a tag team with Randy Savage. And so, I mean, Memphis was one of the few places, I guess, where he could get booked. And I know he worked Flair. He may have worked. Didn't he work Flair in Baltimore for the uh, NWA World Title match? I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But it's, it's amazing though that 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 uh, he wasn't welcomed back, maybe into the AWA, uh, even though he left on bad terms with Vern, because he was just he was so over as this feared guy who's the one who slapped yeah. John Stossel and just you know, and and he comes out on Memphis TV and he's wearing a swastika and he's and he's going, I love. I checked on you. You can't even get a partner because you got AIDS, boy. And, oh, man. And supposedly that's how Randy Savage, uh, in part, got discovered. Uh, Jeff Walton claims that that he also put in a word. But uh, from what I you know, Vince never went out of his way to watch other people's wrestling. But Howard Finkel did and said, you've got to see these interviews with Schultz. And Vince was immediately intrigued by uh, by Randy. And then I think, you know, and saw Jeff Walton there doing the Tux Newman gimmick. And that's how that got that, got that ball rolling. And right. by the, like two months later, he was gone. But, but, you know, did put over Lawler despite Vince. You know, it's so funny. Vince talks about the time honored tradition of dropping the belt on your way out, all this kind of stuff that's suddenly important to him in, in the Montreal screw job, right? But he told Savage, don't leave with the Southern title, just, just leave. That'll be great because then when we go back to Memphis, you're you know you'll be the guy that Lawler never beat. Savage wouldn't do it because right. he was so great, so grateful to Jarrett because no one you know no one wanted to touch the Poffos after the ICW deal, and you know he gave without even thinking it gave Randy a top spot, and Randy and not and the day after losing till he did he dropped I think a loser leave town match to Lawler in Nashville and in Memphis and then in Louisville on his last night. He lost to Tojo Yamamoto clean in the middle, which is kind of ironic because uh, Yamamoto is one of those guys that he exposed on ICW. Uh, right. Said, Harold right. Watanabe, Tojo Yamamoto, you know who I'm talking to. Yep. Um, and as a kid, I'm like shaking my head like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, right. And, and, and I think I got, I think some people got that same uh, feeling watching Schultz's speech, but in, a, but in a way it was, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was just, you could argue whether or not this guy should des- should deserve the award. I think he was a fantastic worker. I think he got screwed big time with the uh, with the Stossel deal. And I've just always loved his promos. You know, he I think he could have gotten over big as a baby face in Memphis if they had ever gone that route. Um, and he did it in Canada, you know, and he and he nearly beat Nick Bockwinkle in a, in a great little uh, feud there when he was at his hitting his peak as a as a baby face. Uh, and the fans were buying him as a world title contender. And it was so cool to see him, you know, apparently pinning Bockwinkle and they do kind of a screw job there. And he's he's paraded around with Vern's belt and, Vern, you know, like David Schultz would be would be is that like the antithesis <laughs> Of any guy who Vince would or of uh, Vern would have put the title on at the time, uh, yeah. so it's kind of fun. it's it's interesting to see that. Yeah, he was definitely he's like an outlier, an outlier in the business. He was kind of he always did his own thing in a Brody esque kind of way, you know, like he he operated on his own terms. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and, and I mean, like, really, it, do you think do you think Doctor D in his day was the kind of guy that you're going to get all close and fuzzy with? that you're going to help him out. The guys were probably relieved when he would leave the territory. I remember well, Pete Letterberg. I, I, no, I remember I mean, he... Pete Letterberg telling me a story where um, he was in Memphis. I don't know what year it was. Had to be the early eighties. Cause it was like right before Pete, Pete was there on this trip for longer than I was. I was on my way, but he was there. 
So maybe 84, 85. I think it was probably the 85 run that you're talking about. And they had like a local DJ deal, you know, like where there's always a DJ that's going to fight Jimmy Hart or something like that. And they were doing one of those things and it was out on TV and the guy was like exposing the business and being a mockery. And they had to physically restrain David Schultz in that little hallway from going out into the studio and taking matters into his own hands. Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm going to go out there and uh, kick all their asses. And everyone had to like hold him back. And Pete was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. And he mentions it in the promo. He goes, okay, a little comedy variety show out here. Because <laughs> I'll beat everybody wow. up. He goes, in there somebody. Yeah, I never, I never and, saw and, that. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, and, and, and the way he talks about Lawler, he's like, is that especially you, Jerry Lawler, big boy? <laughs> you think you got what it takes <laughs> to beat me, big boy? Uh, which uh, that <laughs> Brian last and I've been calling each other big boy lately. Uh, <laughs> our back and forth messages. Oh my gosh. But anyway, Dr. D, one of a kind. Well, hey, Howard, speaking of one of a kind, you are one of a kind, my friend. And it was a real pleasure to finally meet you. You did not disappoint. You uh, yeah, certainly no lived up to your to your reputation, uh, which uh, I, re- <laughs> I realize that's rather dubious, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I try. I don't want to disappoint, man. <laughs> oh man. And I look forward to uh, to talking Memphis wrestle. We've already got some some. We've already talked about some some great ideas that we're going to have uh, forthcoming. More KFR content than ever uh, with Baum and Bowden. I even listed Seek. Ooh, you even say even my li- name right. You know, you know, shit's going down now, man. Yeah, listed your name first, but uh, you're not. <laughs> after a year, I consider putting your name on the bucket. Ooh, <laughs> oh my! Don't don't watch out when you dangle those carrots. <laughs> You better be able to back that stuff up. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, we'll be right back with more Kentucky Fried Wrestling right after this. Bye-bye, everybody. Before we hop into the ring for our next bow, we want to call him out here. Certainly as controversially as any wrestler that we have ever had around. And one of the toughest guys we said earlier to ever put on tight. Here he is, Dr. D, David Schultz. We haven't seen David in quite some time in this area. He's back again, and I'm sure with a purpose. You know, the last time I was here, Lance Russell, you didn't talk to me like that. You didn't like me. Nobody liked me. Nobody liked what I stood for. I couldn't find anybody around here tough. All I could find was people wanting to sing songs, tell jokes, dance, hug each other, and all that kind of stuff going on. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to fight and show I was a man. So I went up north, baby. I went north, I went south, I went east, and I went west. And I whooped them all. I beat the biggest and the baddest they're supposed to be in the world. Hulk Hogan. Hulkamania running wild, they say. I challenged him on national TV. I will beat your butt, boy. I will take him down here, right here in front of you. He is invited to come here. And if I don't beat him, I'll never wrestle again, Lance Russell. I've been sitting back here watching the monitor. I can see that Jerry Lawler, the mouth of the South, is still running his mouth. Why don't you get some dancing bears and bring them down to the arena? And there's disc jockeys out here. They're all up there singing each other's song, talking to each other, rapping, running it down. Ain't neither one of them had a, had a fight in their life. Don't know what a fight is. Why don't you come up to the doctor, baby? Why don't you come up to me and say it? I'll slap you down. I'll slap you down like a red-headed stepchild right to the ground. Because I'm sick and tired of it, baby. They suspended me. They suspended me, told the world, said, get him out of the wrestling. We don't want him. He's too tough. He's too rough. Nobody wants to sign contracts to wrestle me. 
because they're afraid I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to break somebody's leg. I'm going to break somebody's arm. I'm going to slap somebody's face. You know, this hand gets to itching every time I get near an announcer. With, I just want to slap people. But I won't slap you because I've learned not to slap old men around, you know. I'm looking at these young, tough people, and it just made me sick. I just wanted to vomit right back here a while ago watching these disc jockeys talking about what they're going to do to each other. You ain't going to do nothing but run your mouth and go out there and kiss each other on the lips or hug each other. Get down and fight, baby. Get down. Get down. Get down and fight. And I love the style of Norville Austin and the other man out here. I love their style with them belts. There's going to be more of it. But, Lawler, I have always wanted you. I have always wanted you, Randy Savage. I've never had a chance at you either. I want a chance at anybody. Anybody that wants to come up and give me a match, but I don't want no punks, I don't want no kids, I don't want no wet behind the ear babies, and I don't want no TV announcers, I don't want nobody that ain't gonna give me a bite. Because baby, I'm here to fight, and that's what I'm fixing to do now. I'm fixing to go out here and fight. Everybody told me that you got a guy out here who thinks he's gonna give me a bite. We're gonna find out. Well, we're gonna find out. Well, you know he ain't gonna give me no bite. He can't whoop me. He's like you couldn't whoop me. You hop in a ring and we'll find out. Dr. D, David Schultz, Davey. And we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Uh, and boy, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little teary-eyed, much like drunken Jim Ross at the TGA Fridays bar when I mentioned Lance Russell. Just hearing, or just thinking about the remarkable speech from Dr. D, it really, really touches my heart. Uh, what about you, Brian? Anything touching you? Did you get a chance, Scott, to talk to Dr. D, David Schultz? You know, I did. I uh, I approached him. I was I was of course very respectful uh, of him, and uh, I said, "Look, uh, I want to ask you the standard question." I'm kidding. I, I, did. <laughs> I, I did. Didn't even remotely go there. Uh, I did. I asked him a, a question about about his Memphis days, and uh, you know what it was like to train there, and if uh, and if he ever got frustrated to the point that he he ever would confront Lawler. Uh, in, a, in a physical uh, battle, maybe exposing. What did he say? Go by the book, big boy. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to buy the book to find out. Yeah. Anyway. Big boy. <laughs> and for all you big boys out there, if you're looking for the coolest wrestling t-shirts around, don't forget to visit MemphisWrestlingTees.com. And some of you have bought several shirts and you're thinking, well, I'd like to continue supporting the show, but I don't want to fork over $25 to $30, even though the shirts are probably worth double that, uh, given the fact that they are printed on American Apparel wrestling ring spun cotton t-shirts that are so comfy to wear. You can now pick up some smaller items, such as die-cut stickers featuring Lance Russell and Jerry Lawler, the Fabs, and much more over at MemphisWrestlingTees.com. Just want to remind you that Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For the big boy himself, Brian Last, who's wearing no eye hat, I can assure you, this is Scott Bowden. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of championship wrestling.